This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees podcast. Sorry for the late, late, late edition of the RFK Refugees podcast. Um, scheduling conflicts and then power outages. Acts of God. Uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But um, our Patreon's got a wonderful interview with um, with John Hewitt um, from the Six States One Pod uh, show. So uh, nice preview of New England Revolution. And now you all will get to hear it uh, coming up in the second segment. So uh, and certainly, certainly enjoy that. And uh, and yeah, um, so. Uh, John, how, how, how's your uh, how's your week been going? I usually ask how's your weekend's been going, but it's Thursday, it's Friday, so now how, how's your week been going? I gotta say, it's been a busy, busy week. I've been all over the place again. It's two weeks in a row. I'm looking forward to a long weekend uh, that doesn't involve me traveling to New York State or riding or running around on Capitol Hill. So that'll be nice. And I'm not coming to you by candlelight, which I could have been coming to you by <laughs> had we recorded earlier in the week. So it's all it's all going in the right direction. I feel like. Yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm, my, uh, my direction is not quite in the right direction. Um, I suffered a fractured ankle, um, which I won't reveal how it happened on TV. Let's just say I ru- rushed into a burning house and saved children. Let's just, let's just let's just call it that. I was Ariola Ariola stomped on your ankle in a fit of <laughs> peak of rage. Yeah, if it was, we're we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that too. But um, I've been pretty much on my couch uh, with my leg raised, um, moving intermittently. Fortunately, no cast, no surgery. I'm in a medical boot, so I can move around, but still not an ideal way to finish up school, and I'm getting so excited to start my summer, and then this happens, so is what it is. Um, but then, hey, my carpets are cleaned in my apartment, and things are starting to look up. So, um, And uh, DC, thing we wish things were looking up for DC. Unfortunately, last week they suffered a 3-1 loss uh, to uh, Houston. 2-1. Two one, you're right. Those, those, those. <laughs> two, two one. You're, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Um, anything we want to touch on this game? I mean, it, it was, it was very much one of those games where, you know, they were playing sloppy. They go in the half, you know, zero zero. Not much offensively, um, which again is, 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 is a concern with this team now this season, which is strange to say because it, we all thought it was going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but it's almost entirely on the on the offensive side. Then they get probably one of the most nicely worked goals they've had uh, probably since the uh, since the RSL game, like the second or third game of the season. Um, an incredibly nicely worked goal that ends with a, a Rooney tap in. And I was thinking at that point, okay, like we're set up for three points and possibly a point, which at this point I would take because I fully expected Houston to respond. And then there was just a minute of just like. Everybody just switched off, and uh, DC suddenly finds himself down two to one. Um, the new left back um, Pedroso uh, kind of loses uh, uh, loses the player on the on the sort of the the right side of the goal, and gives up a goal. And it's two one DC, and you're thinking, dear God, what just happened? Um, so the game ends two one. Um, a lot of a lot of fans, a lot of people on the interwebs were going so so negative into this team and even i maybe it's the fact that i kind of predicted that this team would struggle um but i guess the more important question i guess maybe is not what went wrong in that game because i feel like that's been dissected to death but um for you john is this any moment of concern about this team are concern levels raised after that game uh no we can't ever win in houston 
Um, it was humid. Uh, it was the second game in a few days. Uh, we the, the thing I, the thing that upsets me is that it was a mental. Uh, they took a they took a little mental break there for the two goals in two minutes, and there were two individual defensive mistakes, and that's a bummer. Uh, they were they were lucky to have the one nothing lead after the first half after the second half started, but um, it, was, it was just a messy game. I'm not too concerned about it. I think it's more important how these next two games go. Yeah, making sure they get back they get back on track. Next three games. Against- Next three games, really. Um, they got, you know, at New England, they've got home against Chicago, um, and they've got uh, uh, home against San Jose. Um, so definitely three very, very winnable games. Um, if you listen to our interview, though Bruce Arena has been hired, apparently he's taking his time getting settled in, and they are not rushing him uh, to be the coach. My estimation actually might be they might just let the interim coach just finish out until the, the Gold Cup break um, in June. Um for, for this team, but uh, but uh, crucial game coming up, obviously, next week. Uh, probably the most important mis- uh, sort of result of this game was Paul Areola's Ar- red card, uh, where he kind of, and we'll get into this, uh, it was actually just announced he's been suspended in an additional game, so he'll now be out against New England and Chicago. Uh, first, first thing foremost, John, was that a red card for you? Yeah. 100%. Yep. Me too. Was yep. it worth an extra game? No, no, I, I don't think it was a, yeah. not especially violent conduct, right? I, I mean, it was it was it was to earn a red card, but it was not there was not a malice of forethought. There was not a, an effort to injure, um, you know, the red card was deserved and that's it. He he was pushing through the ball. The referee does not blow a foul. He steps on him. He immediately removes his leg and then he actually goes down to the player to say, are you OK? I'm sorry about that. It's a red because in the rule book, you can't stomp on a player. I'm not arguing with that 100%. And, you know, you're suspended for the next game. Um, but to tack on an additional game, it, it seems to me it's kind of missing the point. Um, basically, what the, what, what, the, what the disciplinary committee is saying is that kicking the ball into the stands and giving a, giving a fan a concussion and uh, choking a, 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 an opposing goalkeeper are basically um, about, ha- about worth double what that is. And in my opinion, those are far, far worse infractions and should be judged more harshly than what what Paul Ariola did, um, and I'm I'm kind of curious whether that means whether he's kind of just done until the the break because I'm not sure he is on the Gold Cup roster, um, which we can also get into a little bit a little bit about that, um, and I think probably he goes maybe through June first, um, but I'm but I'm not really uh, I'm not really sure. So uh, DC will have to figure out how to how to win games without him, and he's been one of the few attacking players. Uh, who's kind of been on form. So they're going to have to get, they need results out of these games coming up to, to kind of get the, get the break uh, to get kind of rolling through the, through into the, uh, into the sort of international break. Um, but it's, it's going to be tough for sure. And uh, so uh, anything else you want to add uh, about the Houston game before we break from it or. One thing about Ariola missing, I think you're going to see a few cameos of Griffin Yao in in the next in the next two games we i mean we i think we agree that he's not ready to be a full-time contributor but i think they also view him as sort of ariola's understudy mm-hmm. and they're still missing wing firepower i zoltan steeper is cooked you yeah. watched him in the bettis game he made a couple he, of nice moves it was kind of yeah kind of... i mean he can dribble in place but like that that is it that is the, that is the duration of his skill he can sometimes serve a good ball in the corner he just has no defensive work rate whatsoever and then ben, ben is spot on about that. If that's actually the reason he's not playing, uh, he he can he can somewhat combine, but he doesn't want to run and and sort of run off the ball. 
Um, yeah, there's um, there's not there's a lack of depth options on the wing right now from the attacking side. So I will bet you we see Griffin Yao in one of these next two games. He will not be in Loudon. I bet you for at least the next two games. Uh, other than other than re-signing a um, a uh, a wing uh, a other than re-signing Acosta, if if that's even possible, DC needs to make a splash in this uh, in this uh, sort of this coming up window. I, I would say where the team is right now how sort of uneven they've looked this is going to be a very very crucial um off season coming up uh or sorry not off season uh, uh summer, summer window, window summer window yep. coming up for for dave casper um if he can make a couple big impact signings um possibly getting yumil Assad back um yumil Assad was spotted uh i think about at least the day before uh his game against uh, uh velez Sar- sarsfield where he was spotted uh, watching DC United play Toronto. Uh, he actually took a picture and posted it on his Instagram. So um, I would be right now at this point that there, there, there's obviously a lot of smoke. Um, and I would say by July, I would not be surprised if we see uh, Assad signed to an, signed to a deal. Um, I think, you know, Velez overplayed their hand really bad um, in this situation. And they clearly are going to suffer for it because if I, if I was, DC now, I would say, okay, now you're going to take a little less because you gave us a bunch of headache and you clearly aren't valuing this player. So you can't even tell us that, oh, he's an important player. We need that transfer money. Um, so that that's going to be something I think to watch uh, certainly in the summer. Yep. And we both agree though, that that's not going to be enough. Yeah, probably not enough. You need, you need to make some other moves, um, which might come as sort of in the addition addition with players coming back from injury if they get Joseph Moore back and he's, uh, you know, 100%. Um, I was looking at the injury report. They still have them listed as four weeks from late March, and it's now end of April. So clearly that's – hopefully that is on its way to mend. And I think I just saw pictures of Donovan Pines back, so that's that's good as you well. You did. Yeah. You did. And all, Joseph Moore was was at Audi Field uh, during the Real Betis game, and he had his gear working. So I think he might be doing light workouts at this point, still yeah. sort of doing the comeback. It's going to take a while after this long off to get his legs back. Um, but it can't come a minute too soon. I'm ready to see him play left back again yeah. as soon as possible. Yeah, this team played amazingly when they, when he was out there, and then he went down, and suddenly things. Um, it's so it's so funny the amount of an amount of like, just the amount of like focus that goes into DC with like you know Acosta and Rooney and Ariola and even in the center of the park with you know either Durkin or or Canals. But really, what seems to make this team go is its wingbacks. Um, they every time they suffer a bad injury to one of their starting wingbacks. Uh, this, especially the last two seasons, things that the wheels have kind of come off offensively. Um, you look at uh, DC was absolutely flying in 2018, and then Orneo Fisher goes down. They were still effective, but they were not the same type of effective that they were uh, when they were absolutely just pasting Montreal five to nothing. And then, of course, then there's the game. Uh, the the team's flying again, you know, five nothing victory, and then Mora goes down with a broken jaw, and suddenly the team completely looks does not look the same. So. Um, that's certainly going to be something uh, to watch if he, if they can get him back into the lineup and and really have that that strong lineup that really started uh, so so well to start the season. Um, let's let's go let's do some more player news uh, since I think we've kind of exhausted all of the uh, game. Um, of course, we have the Gold Cup roster. Like I said, Paul Ariola is on it. Uh, most notable for D- DC fans is who is not on it, and I have some thoughts on this. Uh, but John, I will start with you. Bill Hamid did not make the roster. Um, what what do we is this is this an assessment of skill from uh, Greg Berhalter, or is this a, you shouldn't have said what you said at the beginning of the season. And therefore now you're getting punished for it. 
Well, if it's that second thing, he won't last very long as coach. I don't think. I think if he's already, I think if he's already decided to, to play uh, deputy hard ass on on comments about this and not pick the best players possible for your roster, uh, then he won't last very long. I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a, that's a club coach move. That's not a national team coach move. Um, uh, I mean, we've said it a million times. He should be there. He should yeah. absolutely be on the roster. He is, he is among the best. He is without a doubt among the best three options. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, it's such a goalkeeper who is not having a good season and emphatically is not having a good season is is Brad Guzan. Um, they they have been Atlanta. He has not been a guy who has kept team in games. He is certainly not a, a, a goalkeeper. He has looked about half a step slow compared to where he is. Uh, legs are catching up with him quickly. And, um, I, you know, one argument put out there, well, they need, need experience. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we're, we're two years removed from World Cup qualifying. You know what? We, the, the time for talking about experience or needing experience is, is in my opinion, over. Um, we're, we're done with that conversation right now. Um, the USU 20s, uh, the, the result didn't show it, um, just put together some of the most impressive, you know, ticky-tacky soccer I think I've ever seen the U.S. national team play. Uh, it was very uneven. They did not, you know, unfortunately did not win the game. They lost on a, you know, a counterattack and a set piece um, and couldn't just couldn't find them back in the net. Um, but if, if you watch that game for 90 minutes, uh, they certainly deserve more out of it. Um, you know, the, the U.S. player as a whole is evolving um, and, and it's getting better and everything's getting more more skilled. So, you know, in my opinion, to, to bring in Bragg is on and in sort of this lineup to say, Bill, you're having a great season. You're topping, you know, shutout, save percentage. You're even working on your distribution, which while still not fantastic, has actually gotten better. It has yep. gotten a lot better. Um, and he's doing all these things. And, and I, I don't really blame Bill Hamid necessarily. And, and I think the comments that he has made, he has done everything that you are told you are supposed to do as an American player. Sign a contract out of the academy. Start playing for your MLS team. Then if you get an opportunity to go abroad, take it. And he did that. He has done almost everything that the U.S. soccer organization has asked for. And even when he wins goalkeeper of the year in 2014, he still gets zero. It's almost like he was that was sort of just glossed over. Other keepers are getting, you know, Zach Steffen's now the new golden child of, of U.S. goalkeeping at this point. He's kind of just been kind of uh, tossed aside because he got thrown into a couple meaningless friendlies and, you know, either didn't perform or didn't look well, even though he's looked well in some other games as well. Um, and it, it, I think he is coming from a place that says, I have done everything you asked for. I have played the game and you know what? I'm done with it. I'm gonna speak my mind, and I, and I'm I'm through with trying to be to be nice about this because this I am I am being treated poorly by U.S. soccer, um, and I think he was right to raise to raise the expectations. The fact that he has not gotten more looks, um, I think is is kind of a travesty of of you know the previous coach Klinsman. I won't put too much on Arena since he was here for kind of a flash, and actually he did give him I think a Gold Cup roster spot if I'm if I'm not. He did. Yeah. I was gonna say that, yeah. that one of the few last few coaches in the. But last few years, it gives him a shake. So yeah, and then now Greg Berhalter is kind of passing over him because he wants keepers that pass out of the back, which I, I understand from a tactical perspective. You know, you want to move the ball, but if you got guys who can't make saves, what's the point if you got a keeper who's you know ninety percent passing efficiency, but can't make you know the big save to keep you in the game? So it, it's it's frustrating, it's annoying, and you know what? It, I think I, I hope that something can change. Um, but I think this is it. I really, I think this was kind of maybe Bill's last shot, um, maybe to make this, maybe make it as a second or third Gold Cup on the Gold Cup roster. 
Um, I think I think this is the last straw. I think there are there. Are, I think Zach Steffen at that point is going to probably have the number one spot heading into qualifying. Um, I think this was Bill's maybe last shot, um, and I think he should just you know what, just go down swinging because uh, you. I think he's been robbed. I think he's been truly truly robbed. Yeah, he should say screw it. Yeah, I think. That, I mean, to, to our benefit, we've got it. We've got him. I mean, he's here for the for the rest of this year, and he's yeah. gonna be mad, and he's gonna keep playing well. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I've talked about it. I'm I'm club over country. I mean, I'm I'm I prefer if if, <laughs> if it is to my benefit that the coach is stupid and not and not going to play. Um, the national team will be worse for it in in some degrees. The the goalies that they have, I would say Zach Steffen is is fine. I think he's pretty good. Uh, Brad Guzan is not. Brad Guzan is on his way to being Tim Howard. Yeah. Um, sooner, sooner than later. Not too, not too much longer will he be looking like Tim Howard in, in Colorado. But whatever, man. That's fine. It, Ariel, it, Ariel will go and he'll, and he'll play well. And I bet that he'll uh, get himself a bit more of a visibility into a potentially being sold to Europe because I think that's his. I think that's his end. Uh, his end course of action. A- absolutely, hundred um, percent. And another thing we should be watching, obviously, is Chris Durkin in the in the U.S. U twenties um, because I fully believe that DC is waiting until. Um, especially if things, especially if they lose a cost on a free, they're going to want to flip some players probably pretty quickly. So I, I would start uh, possibly looking out, looking out for that. Um, but enough uh, national team talk. Was there any other? Uh, do we want to talk Real Batiste? Do we want to? Do we want to? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Um, I didn't end up going. Oh, you didn't uh, go? Okay, I was curious I if you go. went. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, but it was a, it was a mostly Loudon roster. I thought it was funny that uh, none of the players you'd really want to see from DC. We're on the bench. Even <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of funny looking at the eighteen. I was like, oh, woof. Uh, also funny to me that they didn't put names on the jerseys of the Loudon players. So Colin <laughs> Verfurth, even though he was starting in front of his hometown crowd at Audi Field against a La Liga team, just had his number on the back, like he wow. was a preseason uh, trialist, which wow. is a bit of a bummer. They, they probably could have done that, but that's all right. Um, the Real Betis is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're moving off the ball is 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 very exciting. I think it's cool. To, granted, this is against, basically against Loudon United, not really worse, not really versus United, DC United, but it's fun to watch a team that can move that confidently off the ball um, without any sort of real. I mean, they finished tenth, I think, in the league. Um, they beat Real Madrid two nothing the last day of the season. Although Real Madrid was pretty bad this season, um, it's it's interesting to watch what a mid-table La Liga team can do against different competition. I think a full a full strength DC United side would it would make a, it would look a little different. The scoreline would not be what it was. <laughs> right. I think that's I think that's decisively true, but I wouldn't even, I wouldn't want DC to do that anyway at all. No, 100%. There'd no. be no point in it. <laughs> but I'm just saying but that's what like the the subtext is of all these things. It's a measuring stick if you if it, if it's anything it's a measuring stick. For this this was not even that. This was just sort of a, a thing that happened. So um, we we have another uh, international friendly coming up against um Marseille. I mean yep. so the the real the real question really is not really about the game or what happened on the field. Do you believe that DC should be doing this in the middle of their season should be scheduling these types of friendlies? Sure. Sure. I think it's I think it's fine. I think uh, I think if uh particularly if they run another roster out like they did against uh Betis, that's fine. I mean, it gives Loudon players an opportunity. I think if we didn't have the condensed schedule that we have right now, and then this game came up, I think we would have seen more players that were. I, I haven't looked at what the the end of July looks like as far as the rest of the schedule goes, but I bet you that it's not as crazy as the last few weeks have been. So I think 
I think generally it's fine. It's like a training. It's like a training exercise. As long as they don't take it too seriously, I think it's. I think it's generally okay. Let me look at. Let me look at it right now. Uh, July. Ooh. Woof. <laughs> July 18, 21st, 24, 27. So yeah. that's not great. Yeah. No one's. No one's gonna be. So I mean, my. I. I have conflicting views on it. Um. I think it's good in i guess an exposure sense and a oh that's kind of neat you know here comes a european team you know it's like when zlatan came to rfk which i can only imagine when zlatan looked at like the rfk locker room and was like what the hell is this um so you know i guess in that sense i i i like the uniqueness factor i think it does give guys like you know griffin yao scored a goal um and so that gives him a chance to to get a run out and to and to get some playing minutes um and to develop some confidence even um even though I think it came off of I haven't really watched the goals I didn't deflect it yeah it was a similar deflected. to his goal similar to his goal for Loudon it was True. a it was a bit of a pinball but it was so cool he was very excited I'm yeah. happy for him yeah and Quincy of course uh, had a had a goal as well so I mean I think that's all that's all fine and well um I do think you're kind of shortchanging fans a little bit that you know you're you're sort of saying we're not playing you know you're not seeing Wayne Rooney versus Real Betis you're seeing you know. Allowed you now to guys Orlando Sinclair versus Real Betis. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you're seeing players who aren't, who aren't. Some of them weren't even on DC's roster, and I think that does, in a sense, kind of shortchange fans to the point where I'm like, well, why even, you know, why not schedule? If you want these guys to get minutes, then figure out some other way to do it or schedule something else. Um, but you know, it's it, it's not going away anytime soon. Um, these you know European you know teams. You know they need places to play, and I think probably the kickers are going to do one here shortly. I haven't heard anything about it, but I would imagine they are going to have some sort of um, some sort of scrimmage or or match uh, against a European power. And it was actually kind of cool when Valencia came here; they did like training sessions and stuff like that. So it's not going away. Um, I understand that, and I guess if you get something useful out of it, like get get some guys some full time minutes, um, then hey, uh, that that that's one good thing you can grab from it. If they didn't have injuries. And if they had all of their roster spots filled with senior players, I think it wouldn't have been a big deal, you know, because then you would have gotten mid roster players, actual meaningful minutes and not had to fill the second half entirely with Loudon players, which is what they had to do. Um, I, I, they're going to other teams are going to pay DC United money. They'll take it. And DC United has to sell enough tickets in a season ticket package beyond MLS games. So something's got to fill the spot and this is ideal for them. So it's it's a like you said they aren't going away i don't think no one got hurt that's good it it does suck to not see the real true measuring stick but i can go see them against chicago next week anyway so it's fine it's it's all fine all right um i guess anything else you wanted to add or is there anything else none of those games do you want to do you want to go through these twitter questions or you want to do that after the interview let's uh let's take a break uh coming up we've got an interview with uh john uh hewitt who some of our patreon listeners have always uh, said subscribe for early access patreon.com slash rfb refugees uh, so uh, check out that, and when we come back in the third segment, we will answer your Twitter questions, so stick around for that. You're listening to the RFK Refugees Podcast. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast. Ted here. Uh, John Hoffman is not going to be joining me. Um, he is in his ever never ending quest to track down Jared Jeffrey uh, to get him to play for DC United for some reasons 
I'm just kidding. His uh, power's out, um, a storm that is ravaging the northern part of Virginia and D.C. Uh, fortunately, I am perfectly fine. The storm completely missed us. Uh, so we didn't want to you know, leave you all high and dry, so we decided to invite on uh, John Hewitt uh, from the Six States One podcast to preview a little New England Revolution. John, how you doing, my friend? Good, Ted. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. hundred uh, percent. So let's talk a little bit about your team because, uh, uh, you guys, uh, have, have, have tossed away, uh, Brad Friedel and you guys did it right before you played us, which is not very considerate because we <laughs> should get the same treatment. We should have to play the same, uh, same team with the same coach that it's written in the MLS rules. It's, it's, it's dug in there next to the, you know, designated TAM rule. You can find it, trust me. Yeah, so much for a balanced schedule, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but instead, you guys go to decide to overcompensate for that and go out and get Bruce Arena. Um, so what what are the what's the sort of the mood like in, in, in New England Revolution land with this hire? Is it, it was there any was it kind of a because there's there's a lot of other off the field issues that you guys are dealing with, but sort of right. on the field, do you think this corrects sort of helps kind of correct a lot of things that, that have been wrong going wrong? Um, I, I think it does. I think that if if nothing else, the Bruce Arena hire is a statement of intent from Rev's ownership that look, you know, we're we're here. We're going to take this thing seriously. Um, we're going to go out and we're going to get the best uh, head coach available to us right now. Which is, you know, a lot of people are saying that this move probably should have been made 18 months ago instead of the Brad Friedel hiring. Uh, hindsight being 2020, obviously uh, helps that helps that you know uh, case be made. But, um, you know, as always with New England, cautious optimism. Um, you know, we, we hired a coach who's won five MLS Cups. Um, we obviously uh, don't have any. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a, a, a sticking point for, for Rev supporters. Um, so, you know, uh, the exciting thing is that um, ownership in the front office are, are handing over the keys to a guy who knows how to win in MLS. Um, and you know, that's, uh, you can, you can talk about, you can talk about, um, you know, is, is Bruce arena, uh, capable of, of running a franchise in this, this latest version of, um, of MLS with all the new Tam and Gam and stuff like that. And you can talk about his, um, you know, his difficulties with, or, you know, uh, how, how he's at least partially responsible for the U S men's national team, not making the world cup. But, you know, I think that to a person in, in here in new England, as far as supporters go, uh, they're going to tell you that this is, this is a good hire. This is the right call from, from the revs front office. And, uh, we're all excited to see what, uh, what it brings. Yeah, I find it interesting you bring up um, there there have been there have been a sort of a lot of coaches that have kind of come through MLS and, and been successful throughout you know the early eras of MLS. There's right, right. Dominic Kinnear, there's Ziggy Schmidt, um, mm-hmm. rest in peace. Right. Um, and it, it, all those coaches then I think kind of hit a wall. Um, another one I think of Frank Yallop's another one who mm-hmm. they all they all won championships, they won trophies. Uh, Bruce Arena has been the one guy who's kind of been able to sort of adapt sort of with the with the changing M- with right. the the changing MLS structure. So I agree with you I think he can be successful. Um you know it, the question of course remains do you think the crafts are committed enough to get him the players that he wants cuz a, a large reason why uh I think Bruce Arena was able to still be successful in in LA is because he had ownership that was willing to basically get him what he wanted. Um and they're still that way. Um, do you trust the crafts to, to, to basically, you know, either write a semi blank or, or pretty much blank check uh, to sort of turn turn the favors around in the summer? 
So I don't think that Bruce Arena is going to get a blank check. One of the things that he mentioned in the in his introductory press conference was that you can be successful in MLS without being the most uh, without without spending the most money. You don't have to spend Atlanta money to to be successful in MLS. Um, you know whether that whether that bears out. Like he his the point that he made was that you know the the team that spends the most isn't always the team that that wins MLS Cup. Of course, that was following a season where the team that spent the most actually did win MLS <laughs> Cup. So, you know, I it, we'll, we'll we'll see how that bears out obviously, but um I I think that I think that the 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 Crafts have have are are slowly coming to terms with the fact that they need they need to open up the purse strings and uh, one of the things that may or may not have been Brad Friedel's undoing was um he had been he had been touting a uh a big summer signing or a big uh, transfer window signing that ended up, you know, the um, the speculation was that uh, it was going to be in Poku um, from Standard Liege, and uh, I I guess right around the uh, the transfer window deadline, it was it was uh, the, the the news broke that. They had come to ter- the revs had come to terms with Standard Liege uh, about you know like a fourteen million dollar you know all in investment to bring Impoku to New England, but um, I guess things fell 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 apart between the club and the player. Uh, so it it you know that's that's obviously unfortunate on our end. It doesn't make us look all that great that a player you know that they had been touting was going to was going to come in here and 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 turn things around says you know no i don't want to come here that's not a good look but the fact remains that um a 14 million dollar investment was was accepted was approved by the crafts and that's uh that's unprecedented from our end so you know i mean yeah, we're probably well, you know the new england revolution are never going to spend more than anybody more you know uh on the top level of mls but I think they're learning their lesson, and I think they're they're willing to 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 start you know spending competitively. Well, I mean that's that's certainly I think a good thing to hear because you know New England's always been kind of one of those clubs that everybody brings up. Um, even though I I think you guys are are ahead of the New England uh, Colorado Rapids simply for the reason that everybody was talking about the Arsenal owner versus the New England Revolution owner in the <laughs> right. Super Bowl, right. and I said, here's the kicker: uh, you know, at least one of those guys owns a uh, MLS team, where the other one does, and you literally no one knows that. Right. Um, so. I guess the uh, the the question sort of remains. So the team that DC obviously is going to face um, on Saturday is still a very talented team. Um, I think that this will be Bruce Arena's first game. I know last game, I believe you still had the the interim coach, uh, mm-hmm. the interim Mike, coach out there, uh, Mike Lapper. Actually, Mike Lapper is expected to be on the sideline for this match. Oh, interesting. So uh, yeah, Bruce Arena will not be uh, will not be coaching in this game. So um, obviously, your first game was kind of a a one zero draw, a zero zero draw against uh, Montreal with him. Uh, but did you notice? Was there any sort of change that you noticed uh, once Brad Friedel was gone, and sort of maybe you know the tactics that were thrown out there, the lineup, or even just in the in the players' moods? Uh, definitely a change in the players' mood. We actually um, he coached the uh, Mike Lapper was the the head coach for the three one win against San Jose as well. That oh, was actually his first uh, his first uh, you know. Uh, game as as uh, head co- uh, interim head coach of the of the revolution, and that was kind of why uh, why he was he was brought on. Why Friedel was was kind of given the axe because of our you know really poor performances up until then. Um, the mood 
in the locker room after that 3-1 uh, win over San Jose was just night and day. Um, everybody was was so much looser, uh, hugging, you know, the coach run around uh, hugging his players, uh, something that you never saw during the, the Friedel uh, the Friedel era. Um, as in terms of tactics, um, I, I, not not so much of a difference. Um, a few a few player personnel changes, but uh, Mike Lapper was uh, is is a Brad Friedel guy. Um, so I you know I think that the um, the tactics and the, the the game plans that they were 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 putting forward were were you know uh, were seem to be joint decisions like the, the they're all they're they're still gonna they're still gonna high press um against montreal they were specifically uh, kind of sitting back and defending a little bit um and and looking for counterattack um uh, opportunities which i if i had to guess is is probably what you're going to see um this saturday against dc um a few a few personnel changes uh Mike Lapper seems to favor Juan Agudelo and uh, and Teal Bunbury on the striking on the striking end. Christian Pania, who had been having a hard time getting into the uh, into the starting eleven uh, under um, under uh, yeah Brad Friedel, uh, is is seeing a lot more playing time under Mike Lapper. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's there's there's not a whole lot of changes. We're, we're kind of in a limbo right now, trying to figure out you know trying to not wait out the Mike, the Mike Lapper, uh, you know, saga, but, uh, not really sure what's going to happen when, when Bruce arena comes in terms of personnel or, or strategy. So, so you're telling me just getting a coach that doesn't just, you know, throw players under the bus and tell fans that they should <laughs> threaten him. And that makes, that makes all the difference, right. Is what you're telling me. It's what it sounds like, which is crazy. I, I, I don't buy that at all. Not at all. So no, I know, I know. Right. It's a, it's a hard to hard pill to swallow. So my, and I have no, I, I, I have no uh, experience with this, but I feel like Mike Lapper was the guy who uh, his job was to to kind of put his arm around players after after um, uh, Brad Friedel was done chewing him out, saying you know when he you know he he, did, he didn't really mean to call your mother those names, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know you just just keep your head down and you're you're doing you're doing good you're doing good, you know what I mean, so I so. I, the um the mood is that uh it's it's almost it's almost like a relief honestly i don't know what brad friedel was you know threatening to do to these guys dogs but um uh the 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 players the players are playing a lot looser they've um uh, they're they're putting they're putting ninety minute performances in where which was never you know almost never the case under Brad Friedel. They're they're playing a lot better if if not uh they they seem to be playing for each other a lot more than they had ever been under Brad Friedel. Um, and uh, they're uh, you know they're just they just seem to be in a better mood um, if if not playing any more um, strategically uh, differently. Well, that's a. Uh... I mean that's that's good to hear for you guys, not good to hear for us because uh, we we got well, you. Well, I mean, <laughs> we're playing we're playing better. But I don't know what's going to happen this weekend. <laughs> um, so, uh, what's the situation? Um, there, the 
you know, you guys had the the Lee, Lee Nguyen saga uh, last uh, last year, and then it became the Diego Fagundes saga this year. Um, has, has any sort of the I guess the change from Bruce from Brad Friedel to Bruce Arena has that altered any of his status with the with what he thinks, or is he still trying to uh, basically find the exit door um, for from the club? Uh, Diego, that's interesting with Diego. Um... Uh, yeah, there was there's some talk about him possibly leaving at the end of last year. Um, you know, I think his his dad was tweeting, you know, congratulations. It, you know, this may have been your last game, but ultimately nothing ever really happened with that. So I'm not sure if that was. Uh, I'm I'm not sure what that was. Um, uh, Diego was substituted off in the 60th minute in the uh, in the Montreal game, and after you know a, a pretty forgettable performance, and was seemed seemed really upset um wouldn't shake mike lapper's hand despite you know uh lapper trying to like just pat him on the back and and give him words of encouragement uh so you know the the speculation is that he's not happy here uh whether or not that you know what that actually means um in in terms of his of his future i'm not sure what his options are honestly um, if he if he's gonna go to if he wants to go to uh, to South America or or try his luck in Europe, I you know I I I kind of feel like at this point the New England Revolution are uh, you know because of his homegrown connection um, are maybe his best option. But then I have no idea what um, what Bruce Arena is going to going to see in him. He's he's beloved here in New England. He's uh, one of our one of our first um, uh, homegrown players. He's a fan favorite, but honestly, I think you know we're all kind of scratching our heads and and waiting for um, uh, waiting for him to become the player that that we're expecting that we expected him to be. He's uh, he's he's very inconsistent. He'll go on a run or two uh, over the course of a season uh, where he's you know he's scoring goals, he's getting assists, he's looking really really good, um, but then. Then he'll then he'll just be anonymous for for you know a month or two at a time. Um, I don't know what what Bruce Arena is going to uh, um, what kind of decision he's going to make with with uh, with Diego, but um, I I got to imagine that everybody on that team to a man is playing for their job right now. Uh, you'd have to imagine, especially yeah. uh, you know. Bradford can talk about how there's no pressure in MLS, but there certainly is pressure when it comes to contracts and, and oh, other yeah. players. That whole Brad Friedel thing was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it was. It was completely. It was completely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So let's uh let, let's shift focus about a little bit more to the team. Um. Is there mm-hmm. anybody out there on on New England that you would uh, that maybe no one's really talking about, no one's really not getting much attention, um, that you think is an important player we need to look out for on Saturday? Um, so I don't think anybody's talking about anybody from New England. So pretty Fair. much anybody. Uh, but well, no. Um, so a few people like uh, I think our best player is Carlos Heel. Um, he's uh, he's he's kind of the the, the straw that that stirs the drink. Um, the problem is that he doesn't have a lot around him. So everybody's kind of adopting the uh, the hackashack method on him, um, and that seems be pretty effective to taking him out of creating whatever offense he was going to create. Um, but we have two really exciting rookies that came from, of all places, a super draft this year. Uh, we have uh, Tayshawn Buchanan, who I believe was was drafted ninth overall, who many MLS pundits thought was going to be the number one pick. Um, he's been, he, you know, he'll play on 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 the wing, and um, he's been he's been really impressive. 
if if not a little, I mean, he's a little raw. You know, sometimes his touches aren't aren't fantastic, but um, but he's he's been really impressive. And then the other guy was drafted eleventh uh, overall was um, uh, Dewan Jones, who I don't know if you saw the video um, from Montreal where he had like a a 75 to 80 yard run where he just blew by like two defenders and uh, and and nutmegged one of them in the uh, in the corner to to create what was probably our best goal scoring opportunity. Uh, this kid has crazy speed. Uh, he was playing left back um, uh, on on last Saturday, but uh, he can also play on the wing. So um, again, these these guys are kind of raw, but um, they're uh, they sh- they're showing a lot of promise, and uh, I we're excited about both of them here in New England. Well, that's interesting because you know the the draft has kind of been a, a uh, people talked about it as sort of depreciating value. So yeah, it's yeah, it's not it's not a place where you expect to bring in players that are going to make a difference, especially in the first year. But uh, and maybe it's just the way our our roster is uh, is you know put together, which is you know not wonderful <laughs> uh, that these rookies are getting their getting getting chances but you know they're they're taking their chances very well and they're uh they're they're showing that they belong to be here absolutely well uh go ahead uh what is your uh what is your prediction for the upcoming game uh against uh against dc are, are you feeling po- positive or are you are you feeling uh pretty negative because i can tell dc fans are actually feeling pretty down probably um after the houston game so i'm just gonna go ahead and give you that give it give you the, the pulse of dc right now yeah, it's uh, we talked we talked to Donald Wine actually uh, for our show, and and he says that uh, you guys are are winning games but not playing super great. Oh no, yeah, we're not playing um, great at all. <laughs> but but you're winning games. You're yeah. finding ways to win. Um, I you know I don't. I'll ask you. Do you do you consider this kind of um, uh, a trap game for you guys, or are you uh, are you are you getting up for this one? I, I mean, I consider it pretty much a hundred percent a trap game, um, okay. just from the sense that well, that, that works out well for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, DC seems to be this year, especially they also seem to be giving opportunities to teams that are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, the New York City who were down in the table. They get a two nothing win in us. It made us look, mm-hmm. you know, completely silly. You know, we got blown away against LAFC, and there's there's another game which I, I can't. I'm trying to think of which one it was, but there was another game literally where we, I think it was Montreal were struggling without Inacio mm-hmm. Piatti and we couldn't shut the door on mm-hmm. them. So th- there's there's been moments this year in, in games in which the team just has not been able to sort of get any type of momentum. Um, and either they kind of struggle through the game and maybe pull out a draw or a win. Um, honestly, I, I would be happy with a tie out of this game personally. Um, I, looking I think... At- I th- I think that's where my head's at right now. Yeah. I think that a draw in this situation would would not be unwelcome. Uh, you know, I mean, like we said, we're we're kind of in limbo right now. This may or may not be the last game that Mike Lapper coaches uh, for for New England. Um, Bruce Arena in his press conference said that he would either be back for the LA game, which is uh, uh, the following weekend, or after the Gold Cup break. Um, so uh, you know, a draw a draw wouldn't be bad. This team is just so night and day sometimes. Um, you know, where we we were able to score three goals against San Jose, we were able to score four goals against Kansas City, uh, but for the most part, we've really really struggled in generating any real offense. Um, our defense has been better as of late since since the Friedel firing. Our defense has been a lot more solid, but um, you know, we're all just kind of 
you know, we cringe whenever the ball is in uh, our defensive, our defensive third. It's, you know, it's been, it's been really bad. It was very bad under Brad Friedel. Um, we're not sure if, uh, and we, you know, we have some injuries too. Um, Michael Manstian has, uh, has had a foot injury. Um, uh, I believe that um, uh, Tony Delamea, another center back is, um, has been dealing with some concussion issues. So like, we're not entirely sure who we're going to see uh, defensively. Um, our, you know, our, our roster isn't, isn't too strong in the defensive end. Um, so like, I think putting all those things together, a, a draw, a draw would, would probably be, uh, you know, tip your cap and, and, and walk away with it. But uh, you know, always always hopeful for a win you can always be hopeful and uh, you, you talk yeah. about the struggles on the offensive end we the one thing that sort of has saved have has saved us has been on the defensive end um the team has been much more solid defensively than uh than they have been uh going forward so um i think we're all prepared for a for a zero zero draw i think that's what <laughs> that's what we're gonna we're gonna be talking about at this point i you know at this point i would take two clean sheets in a row that would not be a bad thing given our defensive struggles thus far this year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. All right. So you're going, uh, so that, that's what you're going with the result. All right, John. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, tell the good people where they can find you um, on, on the, on the interwebs or. Uh, excuse me. You can find, um, you can find six dates, one podcast at uh, on Twitter and all of our social channels at six dates, one pod. And I am at John is great. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, John, for joining us and giving us uh, that wonderful insight into New England. Uh, thank Happy you. Yep. Yeah, thank you also so much for listening. Uh, we, if you're listening to the main show, which hopefully will be coming out, uh, stay tuned. We'll probably do a third segment. Um, if the, you're listening and you're a Patreon subscriber and you got early access to this, uh, and stick, then we will go away for now. But uh, we will promise we'll get a show out um, very, very soon. So thank you also so much for listening. You uh, and uh, we will catch y'all later. Bye. Welcome back to the RFK Refugees podcast. Ted and John here joining you as always. Uh, thank you again so much for John Hewitt. Um, check out his podcast, Six States, One Pod. Um, love the name. I think it's a great name. Um, not as good as RFK Refugees, but, you know, hey. Not, close not second. It. Yeah, close second. Close second. Very close second. Uh, so great interview with him. Thank, him, uh, thank you so much for him for joining us. I'm going to try to do more of those. We got a long break coming up in June, so I'm going to try to schedule some of these out in advance. Actually do some planning instead of last minute. Um, so, um, so let's, uh, let's get into Twitter questions. John, you take it away, my friend. You're, you're the Twitter right. master. That's me. All right. So at bear witness says, how soon can we expect a Doyatrim back? Any timetable on, on Fisher and any news on Assad? So, uh, a uh, got 15 minutes from Loudon and he got about 65 minutes against Batiste Bettis. I'm going to say them both just like the announcers did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think, and Ben Olsen said afterwards that uh, he looked he looked like he didn't miss a step, especially defensively, and that he says that he will probably factor here in the coming weeks. Uh, he's getting he got healthy at the right time here. We still have a little bit of a, a fullback uh, deficit, so I think when everyone's back, he'll be playing regularly at Loudon. In the interim time, he'll be playing. Uh, you know, he'll be on the bench. I think is with the likelihood. Uh, Fisher is in. It looks like not full training, but he's with the team again. He had been shipping back and forth between Jamaica and DC uh, with his recovery. If you'll remember, he had a complication 
earlier on in the year, I think that Steve Goff said that it, he might miss the whole year. That still might be the case, but he looks like he is getting heavily involved in weightlifting again. If you follow him on Instagram, he loves to wear very short shorts and do squats, which who doesn't? Who doesn't love doing that? Uh, so who knows? Uh, there's no information about him actually practicing or not. And Assad, we sort of talked about other than the the Instagram, uh, you know, him watching the game on on <laughs> on his computer. Although people don't don't talk about the fact that he also was watching the Atlanta game next, and that he also posted on Instagram. <laughs> so eh, maybe he's going back both places. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I think maybe he's sending a message to both clubs. Hey, you come want, get me. Yeah, come anybody. Get me. I think DC. I think DC would be a better place for him to go than Atlanta right now, um, because I think there's more of a need at this point um, for him there, but. And if 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 Atlanta if D, if Atlanta wanted to re-sign him, DC would say, okay, you're giving us uh, you're giving us a, a fair bit of change back for that. Yep. So I think he's more likely he he if he does come back, he will come back to DC. And there was uh, Pablo Mauro and uh, both Stephen Goff and Pablo Mauro were sort of hinting that discussions have sort of picked back up. Um, it was unlikely to happen before the May deadline, but they are very they're confident that it it could come very well come together. Um, by the time the July window opens up. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Do you remember what Assad's number was last year? Was it 22? Does that sound right to you? I thought it was 11. I want to say it was 11. Well, both of those numbers are taken now. Oh, okay. So that's that's a crisis for uh, Maybe he won't come back now. Maybe yeah. that's going to keep him from coming. <laughs> I would hope um, it would be more. Probably not. Uh, next question, at DC United Kingdom, who is another podcast that you should check out. Uh, he says, when Pines is back fit, would he go straight back into your first 11, or would you keep the back four going? Uh, good question. I think it depends on Joseph Mora. I think if Joseph Mora, I don't necessarily it doesn't specifically depend on Joseph Mora. If Mora's back, I would the back four is the way to go for me. Um, with Pedroso uh, filling that spot, I think it depends on the opponent. It depends home and away. It depends on how they else they want to set up. It's good now that they have basically two configurations that work with the players they have, uh, and they've tested it out enough enough now that I think they probably feel confident either way. Uh, so first choice eleven, I would say no. I would say he's uh, on the bench for me. I, and I would I would agree as well. Um, I mean, we've seen him play very well in sort of that makeshift five three two that they ran out, um, but it was very clear that he was given like a singular role, which was, you know, Giasis Ardes, make sure he doesn't score. You know, Angelo Rodriguez, make sure he doesn't beat you. You know, it was a very very specific task he was given. So my concern would be now if he is in a two man back system, there's a lot more responsibilities you have to give him. Um, so that would be sort of one of my number one concerns was sort of shifting um, him into that two back system. Uh, he, he could challenge for it, and with the with the there's going to be another run of games. Um, it's nice to know that maybe you have a guy you can slot in, and then eventually maybe he does take over a guy like Brilliant or even Burnbomb, for instance. Um, less likely, more likely Brilliant than Burnbomb, but. I'm hoping too if when he gets healthy and they're not going to play a five man back line that he goes and plays in Loudon and doesn't just sit on the bench. I would prefer that he gets minutes this year than because the the amount of times you're going to sub out a center back, you know, hopefully you don't do that. That's a that's a that's a pretty rare occurrence, at least on this team have, has been this year. So and we didn't have him play. We didn't even talk about the fact that um, uh, Loudon no longer has a coach anymore. <laughs> oh, did that happen today? Yeah, it happened today. Um, it happened today. Uh, Richie Williams is now going to join um, New England's uh, coaching staff under Bruce Arena. So that he is. Where do I send my resume? I feel like I feel like I want to. <laughs> Throw that in there. Th- throw your football manager statistics yeah. in there. Yeah, I've, I've I've run a DC United uh, season on on FIFA for like many many years in a row. So there you go. That's something. Go. Um, Gregory Koch says, "Why did Dave and Devin uh, suddenly get bad at pronouncing things? Uh, do we a chem really? 
Uh, listen, I, I want to say one thing. Chris Adoyatsum, uh, his his name is not in the media guide with a pronunciation guide. I looked at it last night. It's not there. Yeah. You're just guessing out there. You're out there in the wilderness looking at how to say that name. Uh, and Real Betis Batis, maybe that's another example. I'm sure they actually probably had that pronunciation. Sure. I, I envision right above the microphone there was a post-it note that had Batis with a line over the, you know, with, with a line over the IS and those, he just had a problem. The, those things are fine. Like, those things are kind of, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of difficult. What I refuse to understand is the amount of player, the amount of announcers, MLS media people, Bobby Warshaw especially. I literally, I like when he pronounces Luciano Acosta as Acosta, like it's like nails on a friggin' chalkboard. Find me the friggin' A in that name. It's Acosta. It's always been Acosta. Where, like, it's. Ah, it's the most annoying thing in the entire world when they say, oh, Lucho, Lucho Costa. And I'm like, where, where, where do you see the friggin' A? There's no A at the min in the middle of his name. So that's the only, that's the only one that bugs me. The other ones are, are fine. And Dave's awesome. So Dave, Dave gets a, Dave gets a lap. Bobby Warshaw doesn't RFK, get the same month. RFK Refugees has an official no name mispronouncing shaming, uh, position. Except other for Luciano Acosta because did. that one's too easy. I'm sorry. That one is too easy. It, you All cannot right, that, mess that up, and, and announcers still mess it up, and it's it's unbelievable. Ted is speaking on behalf of himself, uh, the show. Damn right I, I mean, am. Like Switzerland and does, does has no problem with it. All right, back to the Twitter. At John WDC says, why do they start their subs in bunker against the easier-to-beat opponent in the more important game, Toronto, and go for it against the tougher opponent in the less important game, Houston, which included playing time for the first time in heat and humidity? I think that is a good question. I think that is a that's a good that's a good second guessing after the fact question uh, about sort of the strategy behind that. We talked before those two games about the fact that they probably couldn't go for both of them, and you said I think they're probably going to go for Toronto and write off Houston because Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. Do you agree with his characterization of what happened? So, so I think you have a couple difficult things right there. You have a team that has was thrown into the wood chipper early in the season with a huge number of games. So you have a game against Toronto, and I think what Ben Olsen decided to do is he says, I'm going to play it safe here because I absolutely do not want to give um, Toronto three points because those are the six-point swings. Those are the things we all talk about, um, especially on the road. And then I've got my guys that I can throw in. Um, in the in the you know 70th 60 70th minute to go at it and try to if we're if we're if we're close and get a win and it damn nearly worked they actually they could have I could envision a scenario where they catch a team on a break and they and they get a and they get the three points um, so I think that was the thinking from Ben I think it's kind of a, a pr- more pragmatic approach um, because at, at the very least you could not lose that game against Toronto because um, then you're giving them f- three points. You're missing out on three points, and you're, and you're having them gain some ground and, and get momentum back um, in, in the Eastern Conference race. Um, I think also the the when the games happened also played a role in that. I think he said, "Well, the game on Wednesday, I'm resting my guys regardless because they need a break, and I and I want I want them to have a break, um, and we're just going to play ugly. Toronto's not playing well. Houston's a better team. We're going to need all our guys against Houston, um, and it." I mean, if DC plays a little bit better in that Houston game is a little more organized, we could be talking about what a grand masterclass it was. Um, so I think not losing the game against Toronto 
and losing the game against Houston is a much better is a is still a better result because then if you go at it and eat at Toronto, you get guys tired, guys pick up injuries, you you still lose that game and then you lose against Houston. Well, then it's looking much worse. Um, so the, the loss against Houston, while certainly you know you never want to lose games. I mean, this is not saying oh you know you can afford to lose some games, but inevitably you're going to lose games in in Major League Soccer. And um, I I think. DC so far it came even after this week is still coming out ahead and teams are dropping points all over. Um, Atlanta has a man up against uh, New York Red Bulls and gets scored on um, and loses that game. Um, and then you have uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. I think there was another game. I think New York uh, went up this week. Uh, sorry. No, I think it was. Yeah, it was New York against Vancouver and they could not beat Vancouver at home and it ended up being a two, two draw. So they lost points there. So, I mean, teams in the Eastern conference, everybody, no, no one is playing well, maybe with the exception of Philly. And even them, I think there's going to be some, they're going to kind of come back to earth a little bit. Um, I think you got a lot of guys that are sort of overplaying and I think eventually it's going to, it's going to kind of wear on them. Um, but no team really in the Eastern Conference has really figured it out and got on a roll. There are teams that have come back, New York and Atlanta, um, who started poorly. There are teams that have started out that, oh, man, maybe they'll surprise us, like FC Cincinnati, and then completely fallen off. Um, I think what's really going to decide the East now is there's going to, that one team that gets it clicking, you know, July uh, July through August and September. That's the team that's going to be sitting at the first at, at at first place right now, and DC already has that leg up because they they've gained those points even when not playing well, and a lot of other teams did not play well and were not getting points. So, there's my roundabout answer, um, if if that makes any sense. Yep, I agree with it. Yeah. Um, at Salisbury United says we have two open senior roster spots heading into the summer, assuming no departures. What positions would you like to see added for those two spots, and why is it attacking winger and central midfield depth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree it, with any of those, to be honest. Nope. nope. <laughs> there, uh, we have another comment here that goes along well, with that. I'm trying well, to see what one, one question is, one question I have for you. Do you think Zoltan Stieber is here after the window? It depends on if they're able to move him and replace him with Assad. It depends on if they can get someone to take his the contract, his salary off the books. They can basically, I think, afford to to give him up for nothing except for salary relief. Yeah. I think that's might be what they have to do. I mean, for a half. I, I fully, I fully anticipate what they're going to do is they are going to trade him to a team. They're going to take on a bulk of his salary and basically a player, a team is getting a, you know, semi-talented attacking midfielder that can bolster an attack. I could see a team like FC Cincinnati doing that. I could see a team like Colorado doing that. Um, I could see a lot of teams in MLS that could look at and say, Hey, here's a, you know, $50,000 player that's going to it's going to cost us $50,000 and he's worth all this much and DC's going to keep a majority of that salary sort of on their books. Um and then you can still go get a guy like uh like Assad and use discretionary TAM to pay him down. Um and then you also free up that international spot to bring in another international player. Um I do not expect Zoltan Steber to be on the roster after this window is closed. I think he's gone one way or another. Yeah, it all depends on trading partners. I think, like you said, if there's if there's a market, he'll he'll be gone. If there's not, he'll just play out the string and sit on the bench, uh, and do what he's doing now, which is or or they could loan him, or they could loan him to United Loudon United full time. They will not be doing <laughs> that. That will not be happening. Free up the roster. They did that to uh, to what I can't remember that uh, the Bolivian guy we signed. I remember they did loan him to Richmond full time. Bruno Miranda. Bruno Miranda. Yeah, they loaned him to Richmond to free up an international slot. 
<laughs> Maybe they'll uh, do that. That would be hilarious. That would be the most hilarious thing to happen. But I hope. Uh, at underscore Mike Foley says, I think Ameriqua needs to see more minutes. It was really nice to see him open his account. I also don't want to come across as hyperbolic, but Griffin Yao is going to lift the World Cup in 2026. Uh, listeners will know I am a Griffin Yao. Uh, you know how other people are about Tommy McNamara. I am that way about Griffin Yao. I have I have strong feelings about his uh, about his future and maybe even his present. Uh, does Amir Kwan need to see more minutes? I don't know that he does. Um, I don't know that he does. I I don't necessarily think. I think for him to have a, a goal scoring record and to really contribute, he has to play a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want him to play a lot because that means Rooney's not playing or it means the, 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 the lineup has changed and we've got Rooney playing in midfield, which is the likely scenario to have both of them on the field. I don't want that either. Um, there's a comment here later down the line about how we need better depth behind Rooney. Uh, and there's an argument saying that if Rooney doesn't play, we're a lost cause. I think we made this point earlier in the season. If Rooney doesn't play, we're a lost cause anyway. If Rooney's healthy, he's not coming off. If he isn't healthy, then we're not winning or competing anyway. And nobody wants a Tam backup striker to ride the bench. I think we're in a we're in a difficult position with Rooney's backup. And the reason we have a player like Quincy is that a player worth the salt and worth the money we'd want to pay to be an actual replacement, you can't have him on the bench all the time. That's a waste of resources for a team that is going to be pretty close to the salary cap. Uh, yeah. So Quincy's the kind of player you get for backup, and he just isn't going to get to play. Yeah, that's it, just the way that goes. It, it, and you're you hit the nail on the head. And this is something I talked about. Everybody's like, "Oh, we need to we need to find like a Daramatics." I'm like, "We're not going to find like a Daramatics type player because you're already having a tough enough job trying to find a guy to you already have, you have a tough enough job as it is when you have an established starter. Even if you think there's a chance someone can compete with them, it's very difficult to sign a player." And to say, oh, we, we think you can compete, but right now this is our established starter. Now you got Wayne Rooney starting up top. And DC ain't changing their system because their system is what it is. Now, some people, I've, I've seen people say, I, I want a two-forward system. DC should have a two-forward system. And I think absolutely not the way they're built and set up. Um, I think this Maybe is, when Acosta leaves, maybe that's maybe that's how it goes. Possibly. It, very, very possibly. Um, but Acosta's not going away till the end of the year. Um, and right. I can say that categorically with without hesitation. Um, he's All not right. co- he, Yeah. I agree. Yes. <laughs> uh, at Give Me My Footy says, is Graffinho the. I like by that, by the way. I like <laughs> Graffinho. Is he the real deal? Does Greg Burhalter have a personal problem with Hamid? Uh, about the friendly, I enjoyed it. I'm naturally the biggest hater of these, normally the biggest hater of these things. And now that we have Loudon to pull it from, it gives experience on a big stage and it forces Ben to play guys he never would in other situations. Guys who would otherwise spend the season sitting in race car seats on the side get a shot to fight for a position. I think this is healthy for the locker room. And makes the starters fight more for their spot. Yeah, I think that's fine. Uh, as, as for the questions, is Grafino the real deal? Uh, yes. Does Greg Borhalter have a personal problem with Hamid? I think we've talked about it. I think he is stubborn. Mm-hmm. I think he is trying to establish his dominance on a uh, on a new team as a first time international coach. Uh, and a lot of it is about what was said, and then the other parts of it are about what his perceived. Uh, Hamid's shortcomings with the way he wants to play. And and to to sort of add one more thing to that, as frustrated as I am with the decision for Greg Berhalter, I'm actually very positive on the direction that he is taking the field side of things um, because he's been very open and honest with the players, communication. Um, I hope he he at least talked with Bill Hamid and didn't just, you know, toss him to the side and didn't even really communicate with him um, because he, he gained a really good reputation in the beginning of his tenure for calling guys, every player individually, and saying, here's what you need to work on if you want me to start paying attention. Um, So I hope he did the same. But um, um, other than that, 
uh, yeah, still mad about Bill, uh, Bill Hamid. Uh, at DB4034 says, when does Griffin Yao, I love all those Griffin Yao content. <laughs> when does Griffin Yao get the 65 minute sub? Uh, he may not be ready, but is this team at the point of trying something to get the offense going? Uh, I talked about it just a few minutes ago. Um, earlier on, I think that we might see him with Ariola out of the picture. Um, I think if this offense is going well, you don't see Yao. Yao is playing in Loudon. Um, right now, we're stuttering a little bit. I think we've got a, we've got a few weeks here up until the window. Up until uh, I think I know the U seventeen World Cup is coming up later in the later in the and he'll definitely be there for that. So um, we've got a few games I think where you could see him out. now that uh Ariel's suspended for two games, I think it's an opportunity maybe to try him. So like you yep. talked about. Uh at Jeffrey Cook says, When Fisher comes back, where does he fit in? And number two, Griffin Yao. <laughs> Not a question, just a statement. I love listeners, you you get me. You all get me. Uh when Fisher comes back, how does he fit in? He sits on the bench this yeah. year. Yeah, and I, I would I think DC signed him. I think they really did do this out of a courtesy because they've got so like as, as much as we talked about, Oh man, they need wingbacks. Now we have like almost too many wingbacks. Yep. We got Joseph Mora, Pedroso, um, or Fisher, Leonardo Hara, Odiatsum. And, uh, yeah, I, no, but smart is a winger, but they, they've got some other guys as well. Like that, yeah. that an Ariola can do it as well. McCann. 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 <laughs> Ugh. We could field an entire team of wingbacks, I think. At pretty this much, pretty much. All right, next question. Uh, at DCU2019, uh, which I wonder if he'll change that uh, that name next year uh, or if he'll just keep it. Uh, what do you think of Olsen's use of subs? I was critical of him using Rooney, Lucho, and Ariola in Toronto when the idea was to rest them for Houston. His use of McCann in Houston and generally his use of Ameriqua as a second-half injury time sub. Um, I don't think that was the idea for Houston, um, necessarily. I think it was to see where you got after that first half with that defensive lineup. I think those players playing 45 minutes was not going to waste them for Houston. And I don't think it did. You talking about, you talking about, uh, you're talking about Toronto. I think you said yep. Houston. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, that, the idea was that you would not play those guys until at all. So you could play them for Houston, but they came all in the second half. I don't think that's a problem. I think that was probably the smart move. And if you can steal a goal there and you win one nothing, you're a freaking genius because they didn't play 90 minutes and you got three points against yeah. an Eastern Conference opponent. I think that was the that was the game plan going in, yep. which was go to the first half at nil nil, try to get it as close as you can. If you can nick a goal, fantastic. If you can't, you know, well, well, we got the second half and we're going to bring the guys on. Um, you get guys against a rested team. Um, it didn't work, but I have no problems with how he used those subs. Um, I think it's you have a chance to to nick to win and steal three points in a game, and you have your best players on the bench. Bring them on. Let, let's get them out there and let's see if we can do that. So don't have any problems. And then the the Houston subs were basically the Houston subs. They were the exact same subs this team has used all year. So I, I don't see any problems with that. Yeah, I think he, his criticism was McCann. Uh, where he was put in the game. I think he, they put him into midfield and it caused the turnover for the first goal. Uh, I think that Ben, I don't know if Ben apologized for that, but he said that, you know, that, that that'll happen sometimes. McCann hasn't played in the midfield very often. Um, and I also don't think he's very good. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> we're I think... just sort of kind of stuck with that yeah i mean we, we he, he was cheap at least i guess is the is, yes we, we didn't pay yep. four hundred some thousand dollars like his salary he was at least cheap um that we got him for so he cost like i think about the minimum on the salary cap mm-hmm. uh but mccann uh no es bueno and I, I think we've seen i think personally he's once guys start getting healthy um he's gonna find himself outside the 18 yeah uh, and use of Ameriquois, second half injury time sub. I believe that is his role, and that is the only role on a good decent team where he's playing. Yeah. 
Um, at BEHDC says, Griffin Yao is the prince that was promised. Prove me wrong. I can't prove you wrong because it's true. Let's, uh, thank let, you for that. Let's, 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 I'm going to have to pull back a little bit on the no Griffin Yao. He's, no pulling back. He's 16. Driving that ship right into the Potomac. He's 16. <laughs> he, he's shown well, but let's, let's all, you know, I, I've gotten excited about a lot of DC United prospects. Um, that are now playing in USL teams or barely even making uh, the bench, uh, the starting lineup for MLS teams. Um, Colin Martin being one, and um, I'm not going to say the other one because, um, yeah, I'm not going to say the other one because I got I've gotten in trouble for doing that. So I'm, do you, yeah, mom, me too. Uh, do you remember how? Do you remember how many people were so mad at Ben Olsen for not playing Colin Martin? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was one of them. We were all up on the Twitter being like, Ben Olsen doesn't play the kids. Colin Martin is an ace. Why is he not playing? He rips it up in the, in the reserve league. And then he gets traded to Minnesota and plays like, you know, a little bit. And now he's playing for the USL team that Richmond was playing? No, that Loudon was playing last week. Somebody, uh, he played against the team that I was caring about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's that. Uh, that's it. Yeah. That was a lot of stuff. I, we were, I mean, that was a lot of good questions, particularly in a, in a week that, there was only a friendly game to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And uh, definitely send us your send us questions. RFPRFGs at gmail.com. It's been a while since we've gotten an email. Um, donate to the show, patreon.com slash RFPRFGs. We were at 30 Patreons. John, how many do we need to get to? I think 40. 40. So we need 10 more. It's 10 more. But you guys are fantastic um, for continuing to donate to the show. Um, yeah, uh, twitter.com slash RFPRFGs. Uh, thanks again to John Hewitt for coming on to the show. I'm going to work on some other guests. Maybe we can snag one uh, for next week as well for either the Chicago or the uh, San Jose game. So, um, again, thank you all so, so much uh, for listening to the show, contributing to the show. You guys are what keeps us going. Uh, thank you so much, and we will catch you all next week. Oh, wait, one more. John. John's throwing up his hand. Yeah, quick, a quick goodbye. Uh, thank you to two new Patreons, Josiah and Brian Kane. Uh, thank you. And Daniel Duckwitz, I need to get you a sticker. I'm sorry. We'll get you one eventually. If you are, want a sticker, I've got a small stack of them still available. Make sure you reach out, send me your address, or if you really love us, become a Patreon subscriber, and then you both get one and we love you more. So yes. do those things. Yes, exactly. Vamos. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much for listening, uh, and we'll catch you all next week. Vamos. Vamos.